0: Welcome to our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Have you ever had a question for the opposite sex in which you seek to be answered authentically? On this podcast, that is exactly what we do. I discuss intimate topics with guests as they share their point of view about dating, sex and relationships. We are raw and authentic to reveal the essence of how the opposite sex feels about today's topic we are exploring have a question, please feel free to write to us and ask. It just might inspire our next episode and get answered. Thanks for joining me today. Now let's dive in deep to today's topic. Welcome to our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast. I'm Sarah Finlay and thank you so much for listening. Today, Brandon Bozar and I talk about the fact we don't need to experience pain to evolve and grow. We're hoping by listening to today's episode, we can help you evolve and grow without unnecessary pain. Brandon helps visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to actualize their life's work by integrating their fear so they can experience true freedom. And you also don't need to be a visionary or entrepreneur or thought leader to get his work like everyday people, you know, you don't have to be in those positions. He's the man for you. He has a coaching business, he holds retreats, which it might be a great time now, we're getting a bit tired in the middle of the year, workshops and seminars in the US and abroad, and he's available for coaching here in Los Angeles, and of course, anyone else situated outside of LA, thanks to technology. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Sarah. I was I was just thinking, man, I should hire you to like do commercials for me, because it just <laughs> makes it sound so good, you know, just do like an infomercial.
0: <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thank you and I mean it though I know you're amazing so no I'm not talking BS it's all truth it's all truth so you say that most people wait for tragedy pain and life-altering experiences or even near-death experiences or major breakups basically any pattern of self-sabotage that may show up over and over again until they break to seek change My personal coach that I've had for about nine years now, she actually always says the same to me. Sometimes I can't understand why people aren't seeking help and she'll say they haven't experienced enough pain yet. Once they experience enough pain, then they'll seek for help. So why do you think people do this?
1: Yeah. Well, if you think about it, imagine if there was no such thing as pain. There's no such thing as pain and there was just happiness. Why would we want to change? We wouldn't want to change. Why would we want to change happiness? Yeah. Right? that was just where we were at we wouldn't be living here on earth because obviously there's a shitload of contrasts there's a lot of pain there's a lot of suffering so we signed up for this and it's not a bad thing because the whole purpose what creates expansion within the universe is us forgetting who we are and remembering ourselves from a different perspective that's why people say oh i i'm remembering we're going through a process of forgetting and remembering and uh, truth sounds so familiar to people it's because we've lost that and we're remembering but every single person is doing that through their own unique perspective in a sense going away into the dark so they can accelerate way back into the light but often we will go into the dark when we don't need to be in the dark or we'll stay into the dark or we'll pride ourselves for all of our pain as if that was a necessary um almost like like um
0: it's like a badge of honor, almost, for yeah, some people. Badge of
1: honor, like, yeah, oh, you know, I went through this, and because I survived that, I now deserve this, right? Or because this happened to me, I'm now qualified for X, Y, and Z because I survived that.
0: Mm. Well, some people don't even survive it; they just like live it. It's like their identity, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of when we it's it's an interesting belief because when we believe that all growth has to come from pain or has to come from drama or trauma. Or even just like an abruptness, like it has to be so life-changing. Like a lot of us praise these life-changing moments. That means if we're on a path that's not truly representative of who we are, we will continually, continuously create abrupt, life-changing, scary, fearful events, trauma, and drama to reinforce the belief that oh, we need that to change, mm-hmm. versus small changes that could be implemented every day by just following your excitement, doing what you want to do. And in that, you're automatically and always breaking away from the known. You're never going to be excited to do the same exact thing in the same way. Mm -hmm. Never. It's always going to be different. It can actually never be the same. One human need, Tony Robbins talks about this, is variety. All that really means is uncertainty. So when we're not experiencing uncertainty, then we're, we're just repeating patterns of the past. So automatically by just venturing into uncertainty and doing what excites us, we're always going to be drawn to something new because again, uncertainty brings up all our pain, it brings up all our patterns, it brings up all that we're not. So it, in a sense, will push us towards the things that we are, that we are yet to experience.
0: So many people are scared of uncertainty though, and the unknown. They they won't go there because it's scary.
1: Yeah. So they're not actually afraid of the unknown because... Right now, there's so much unknown in their life. They don't know what the traffic's like unless they go look, and they're not in this state of fear. Like I don't know about the traffic. Oh my God! <laughs> you know. So it's not unknown that we're afraid of per se, but what it's what lies in the uh, the unknown, and it's simply because majority of our negative belief systems that we've adopted, majority between the ages of one and seven, they defend themselves or. They recreate themselves by creating this illusion that you, if you do venture into the unknown, you may die. And this is what we call our survival mechanism. So, this is what we're evolving out of. And actually, only in the last 50 years have we been in a place collectively where most people don't have to be in survival mode. And that's 50 years out of the last 100 million, Mm. you know? So, it's a very tiny window that we're finally, oh wait, we don't have to fear for our life around every corner, but we have all of this built up evolutionary programming still in our culture to where now what's replacing the saber-toothed tiger in the unknown is replaced by the annoying neighbor next door that when they talk about, you know, the drama with their ex wife reminds you of your ex partner and that triggers this whole stress response that actually means I'm in danger when you're really not. So Mm. it's the fear of facing those things which on a deeper level is a fear of feeling those things. So most people are afraid of going into the unknown because it's going to cause them to possibly feel something they don't want to feel, feel the feeling of failure, the feeling of just fear in general, all because at some point they've had an experience of that and now their body and their mind are trying to do everything they can to avoid recreating that same experience.
0: Yeah, often people even say, I know people that have said, like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to do the self-development work because they don't feel like they have time to feel the pain. They don't want to put themselves there. But that's just, in my opinion, an excuse to avoid it because they're so scared of it.
1: Uh, not having time is not is an incomplete statement. So what does uh, having time and, and not having time look like? Yeah. One of choosing to focus here or you're choosing to focus there.
0: Why is personal evolution independent of time? So because,
1: first of all, we think that time is this linear thing that determines our own personal identity. So we're saying because of what I know, which we call our personal history, this is what my personal history is, what I know about me. So if my personal history is who I think I am, then I'm – conditioning myself to believe and to see life only through the lens of my personal experiences, with other the time. So I've had all these experiences. I've, am an introvert. Um, I was bullied here. I'm really good at sports. So now I kind of know who I am. This is necessary to a certain point to develop what people call confidence and, Oh, I can do things. I can, I, I prove to myself that I can excel here and that I'm, and this is dangerous. And you kind of get a sense of, boundaries in life, um, touching the hot stove, these sort of things. So you create this picture of who you are. Now, that will limit your personal evolution when you think that's all you are, because you're then only limiting to if someone uh, approaches you with an idea that completely contradicts that identity, you'll reject it at all costs. Right? One of the most painful things we can experience is losing our sense of self because we tie our value to it. Right? So a baby that's two or three years old, that's that's when they finally start emerging into, wait, there's a sense of me. Wait, what's, what's me? There's you and me. Before that, there's no sense of self. So around, that's why that's called terrible twos. They start, they grab a toy and you take it away and they start crying. That's my toy. Mine, mine, mine. But it's not really theirs. We, we can't technically own anything. Right? Yeah, we create all these labels and whatnot, but it's just a toy. It's just a plastic thing in, in their hands. It's so they, they lose it, but it's comparable to losing a part of themselves because they think it's theirs. They think it's if they don't have that, it's not going to be as fun or valuable. So we start creating this sense of self. Most people get stuck there. This is also called the dependent stage of just our personal evolution where we need people and things to validate who we are, who we think we are. So when we break away from time, meaning what I know about who I am, what I know and what I've been taught about this, this world around me. For example, it's like these, these walls are painted a certain color because someone one day said, hey, I want these to be blue. If I'm in this room and I want it to be a different color, I'm also agreeing to it remaining blue, even though I want it to be red. And maybe I'm only doing that because, oh, well, I think that a, a room should be red because my parents taught me that that's a good color for who knows. Where is that coming from? right most of it is always coming from this learned identity on what we've essentially been spoon-fed from our parents and from our environment growing up on what's right and what's wrong and should and shouldn't so you can't if you're if you stay there your evolution is capped now taking your evolution out of time means right now in this moment because time's not real every billionth one billionth of a second We're actually moving in and out of of reality. That means if you you put on some goggles and you look at me, you just see energy vibrating really quickly, right? That's from matter to non-matter, to matter to non-matter, to to matter to non-matter. That's also called the particle and the wave in quantum physics. One is a solid form, one is non-physical. If you could slow down time to such a degree, you would actually see us blinking really, really quickly. Now, what's interesting about that is every time we do that, we're actually recreating a brand new self. That's independent of the past. The only thing that makes it seem like that past is determining where we are right now is the belief that it is so. So you're completely independent of time. You can completely recreate yourself in this moment. The only reason you wouldn't allow yourself to is because some belief, that time, that your past, that who you think you are has something to do with where you can go and who you are in this moment.
0: How do we grow while experiencing joy and freedom then instead of from pain?
1: You just do that. That's it. You just grow and you experience it as your freedom. If something's negative that comes up, you don't, you don't judge it as negative. You don't judge it as wrong. And that it's, there's a fine line between bypassing and denying what's actually present and using it in a positive way. So it's very possible for me to go do something that's exciting. And then on the way, get into a car crash. And sit there and judge that car crash as wrong, bad, as not necessary. But the fact that it happens tells me it had to happen. It tells me there's a reason for it. I might not know the reason in the moment. We don't have to beat ourselves up for why did this happen? And we get into like these spiritual quests in our mind, like what, why did this happen? And what did I do? Is it karma? Is it whatever? And all that matters is it did happen. Now you can use that in a positive way. Maybe that person I'm interacting with is so frustrated, so angry, that I actually have a chance to calm this person down and get to know them, have a totally transformational experience, meet a new friend, maybe that new friend leads me to a new opportunity, who knows. But if I didn't choose to use that in a positive way, then I wouldn't get a positive effect from it.
0: Yeah, I've got a good example of this, actually. Um, When when I was hiking in the Himalayas a couple of years ago, I um, ended up getting altitude sickness, but it started off with like gastro vomiting and stuff like this and I had like I didn't want to hike that day because I was like ridiculously sick you know dizzy sort of sick but I had to hike for nine hours out up these steepest hills that you could ever imagine and I was ha- hating life because <laughs> it really was a day to stay in bed but I had to hike these mountains but that's cool. But along the way halfway up the mountain I'm like vomiting water I can't hold it in my Tummy at all? It's like a river going down, and then there's people walking up. And in my head, I'm like, "Oh my god, how embarrassing!" Like it's just all out there. And then this American girl, uh, woman, offers me a mint, and I was like, "Oh no, nah, thank you. I can't even keep water down, right?" And then she keeps hiking, and then there was a point that we all sort of stopped, I sort of caught up to them. And then I, and then because she was American and I knew that I was moving to LA in six weeks' time, I went up to her and said hello and introduced myself and then found out she worked in the entertainment industry on like the Oscars and the Grammys and things like that, and, um, which was incredible. And we swapped numbers and then when I moved to LA, we caught up and that's led to all these incredible things. So I was obviously supposed to get really, really, really sick to slow me down so I would cross paths with her, basically, even though it felt horrible and it was—it became a life or death situation, literally, as well, getting altitude sickness. But I'm really glad that I met her and connected with her and through her I've met other people and it's been incredible.
1: Yes, exactly. So that's the key is non-judgment in those moments. So you might be following something that's exciting for you, following your passion, your purpose, and in that something happens, most of the time we want to judge right there in the moment. They want to resist. And usually we only want to resist because we have expectation. Well, I'm going to be unknown and I expect it to be this way, but it wasn't. That's what people call failure. All expectation does is limits the possibilities of what's actually possible for you. Because expectation is a product of what you know, not what you don't know. So when you're in expectation, you're actually bringing in what you think is best for you based on the past. Versus what's possible for you that you cannot and are not meant to see. That's why surrender for people can be experienced as so much excitement. Oh my God, this ha- this happened! I could never imagine how this person mm-hmm. came into my life. Mm-hmm. That's that's it's built in to existence to be experienced that way. Like that's actually a natural state, right? And we give ourselves small moments of this when we're like going out with some friends and we just have the best, most incredible night ever. And like all these random things happen and we give ourselves permission. Hey, let's have no plan. Let's just wing it. And all this amazing stuff happens. That's a small example that most everyone can relate to that. Yeah. When you actually surrender and you do something you really love, it will work out. Now there might be some uncomfortable things on the way, but as long as you're not judging them as wrong or bad, you can use them like you to learn the greater lesson that you might have needed to then continue on that journey.
0: Yeah. And I can really vouch for this. Like three years ago, my life crashed around me, as everyone knows, listening to this podcast. And so I was forced into this situation of surrender and going into the unknown. Like I literally had no other option. And everything has worked out beyond what I could have imagined. And I now have faith in it that I'm considered quite extreme in how I live in the unknown and surrender. I know it really shakes people up a bit, but when they start to experience it like random road trips with them and, and trouble comes up, I don't, but I just think it's part of the adventure really and everything sort of works out. And there's also beautiful lessons along the way when you have time to be able to reflect. And I really do think that our human mind is very limited and we can't actually, it's too limited to think of the absolute possibilities and to be able to have this, faith although it's challenging i'm not saying it's hard i'm not saying it's easy but challenging for sure but it's where the magic happens definitely those that are intentionally doing the work i.e transforming the victim consciousness from their personality to integrate the small self and become their higher self in in their body which you call embodied are the revolutionaries on the planet you say so tell us about this
1: yeah so majority of people i would say the number one suffering one point of suffering that everyone experiences is the idea of being a victim. And all that means is I don't have choice. I don't believe I have a choice. So victims think, well, I have to do this. I must this kind of language. I can't. Life's not fair. Things happen to me. I'm separate. All of these ideas are all under the umbrella of victimhood. And essentially, I mean, well, I'm separate from love. I'm separate from others. I'm isolated. And that appears the deeper you go into victimhood, the less choice you think you have available. And when we don't have choice, we don't feel empowered. We don't feel powerful. We feel like, well, I, I only have one choice. And eventually that path actually leads to suicide.
0: Right. Uh, well, okay. I
1: have. Last power that I have, because I'm such a burden over there because I can't change, or change my reality. I must not create my reality. These people hate me this. And it's all story. It's all negative beliefs. None of it's true. But then in that moment, the last effort to feel powerful to actually make the only choice that you can to get away from the pain because you're not aware of any other way, which is let me kill myself. So that's where absolutely no choice, but the one choice to leave. So this is the root of all suffering. Now, what's on the other side of victim consciousness is creator consciousness, knowing that you can create anything that you want. Truly knowing that means that you have infinite choice available to you and you never have to choose to suffer or to suppress yourself or or to not be yourself, right? Mm. So the process of transforming from victim to creator is, I mean, that's my life's work, but that process I call integration. Okay. So, Integrating all of the beliefs and stories that you unconsciously bought into based off what you've been spoon-fed from your environment and based on the experiences that you've had that you've assigned meaning to unconsciously that are still running your life. So a lot of people can have a an event happened to them when they were five or six, create a story about it, believe it in that moment, and for the rest of their life, never question that belief or story again. And every time a similar situation happens, boom, fight or flight, reaction, fear, and that one experience isn't in the past. It's still in the now, repeating itself over and over. So this is really what creates suffering because then people think, well, something must be wrong with me. Every, I changed my environment, but I'm still back. You know, I made money, but I'm still angry. I got the partner, but I'm still lonely, right? They're still holding on to a negative belief or story that they created about themselves that is creating that experience and has nothing to do with the outside world. The outside world is always simply a mirror to what you're experiencing inside.
0: And I want to also point out there that those experiences that you're talking about as a child don't even need to be traumatic. It's literally just how you perceive something, right? Like it could be something very, very simple that even a parent would even see as a trigger point at all. Like you don't have to come, you don't have to have had an unstable upbringing in order to have this. You could have had a super stable upbringing and loving parents that completely supported you but still have some stories running inside.
1: Well, It's not that there's a, there's no such thing as a traumatic experience, only a traumatic perspective. Okay. Right. So that, because pain is only perspective. You notice that when you change your perspective on something to something that works for you, something that's empowering, meaning to impart power, then you see that differently and it no longer bugs you. You go, oh, that negative thing is actually here for me because of this. And all of a sudden you feel different. What actually happened? Your perspective shifted. This is also what we call changing your beliefs about that thing. So in that moment, what actually hurt, yes, in that moment, if there was physical pain, yes, you experienced physical pain and whatever it may be. But the only thing that actually created suffering in that point was the traumatic or just, we could say, negative perspective, which from any sort of situation, you can have a negative, a, a traumatic, a, all we're, traumatic is just points to a high emotional response, right? A high emotional a really intense emotion, um, a negative, in highly intense emotional states, our brain takes a a snapshot of that, records that as a memory and says, avoid this for the future, because this equals death and pain, and we don't want you to do this again. So until you get into that part of your brain, which is your subconscious, and rewire those stories and allow them to, in a sense, complete themselves and in a, a neutral, way, meaning you're not judging them anymore, you're not judging yourself anymore, then you create space to change the story, to change your perspective, and they no longer have to recreate themselves as drama, as trauma, as the reflections of our day-to-day to make it known to you where you're holding on to things that aren't working for you.
0: Yeah, I don't know what you're going to say about this, but I've actually personally had a very unstable upbringing but I am actually would never change a thing about it at all. And if people know some of the stuff, they sort of probably think, why? But I feel like this was God, the universe, the source, whatever name you want to um, label and what you believe, preparing me for the future and for my job. And mental illness I grew up, you know, around. But now as a publicist and people that I work with, that's very important to have that understanding. And people that haven't grown up with mental illness – really don't can't understand it on the level that I do because I've tried to explain things to them and it's just difficult and I realize now that that was preparing me for way in the future to be able to actually help people
1: yeah totally you signed up for that because you knew it would accelerate you towards this
0: yeah so you never know also for anyone out there listening if you're going through something right now that's super challenging maybe you're getting prepared for something you just don't realize it yet
1: you're your greatest challenges in life are usually giving you your greatest superpower. And that's what you came here. That's the theme that you chose to explore and to share with others. So for you, you're sharing information, empowering information. Um, that could be a theme of your life and yeah. something that you're not, not do because it's so exciting for you. So you had to somehow have these challenges that would prompt you to this end of the pendulum. And that's perfect. So, Whatever your challenge is, it's also giving you, it's teaching you about the solution to that challenge, which is typically everything that you're currently wanting. So when someone says, "Man, I just want to feel confident," what they're really saying is, "Right now, I don't feel confident." And what if that's been a wrong really thing? Then learning that your lack of confidence is something that you're choosing unconsciously, and that you are allowed to choose confidence you're allowed to find whatever store you're buying into whatever belief oh well because of this i'm not this as soon as you bring light and you start raising your awareness around these things they fall away they naturally melt away so oh my god i just like when i became aware that i actually believed that money was the root of all evil okay i believe when i was like 18 i went to this uh millionaire mind intensive it was like one of my first personal personal development shows ever and uh I realized I didn't even know. And that's the funny part because I'm over here like I'm not I'm a millionaire m-
0: mindset. You wanted to be, be a millionaire. You want to make the money, but you've got that belief, and you didn't realize
1: belief. But I didn't realize it. And they said just write yeah. down like things that you've heard around the house growing up about money, and that was one that I wrote. And then it's like, do you believe these things? And I just looked at it and I was like, oh, I don't know. Do I believe that? And I was like, well, do you think certain people that have money are evil, or do you think that money somehow can increase people's ability to control others. I'm like, Oh my God. And it totally hit. It was like, I remember watching all these conspiracy theory movies growing up and literally programming myself to believe that the rich and greedy people control the world and they're evil and this and that. So it just, it just became this belief that I was totally unaware of. And when I realized that money is just paper, it can't be evil. It can't be energy. it, it It can't be anything but what it is. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, my God, that's not true. In that moment, I felt a physical weight off. That is proof that your brain just stopped firing a certain way, change and fires a different way, and then communicates that to every cell in your body that gives you a physical sensation. That's what people say when they say, oh, my God, I just feel a weight off. That means something was weighing you down emotionally that's now no longer needed to be expressed because you've learned from it. You're now on the other side of it. So, same thing with anyone experiencing any challenge. I mean, I'm anxious. I'm not secure. I'm not. I don't feel um, abundant. You're only in that to so you can learn about the opposite. And as soon as you stop judging it, you stop judging yourself for not making a lot of money, if that's what you want. You stop judging yourself for not having the partner. You stop judging yourself for not feeling worthy. And you find what story, what belief you're actually buying into. As soon as you find what it is, it's gone. Like, that's the first and last step. Find these things. Because when you find it, you know that you you would never consciously sit down and choose it. So what you're actually realizing is, that's not even my belief. The truth is, everyone, our, everyone is a, a belief thief. We've all stolen other people's beliefs unconsciously. And the reason we feel so out of alignment sometimes is because those beliefs are, in a sense, influencing us to not be ourselves, but being someone else, or being a collection of all these beliefs that we haven't chosen that aren't in alignment with us. A lot of times we we say, "Man, I just don't feel aligned." What we're really saying is, "I've bought into all these beliefs that don't represent who I really am, that don't allow me to be all of who I am, and that's what I'm actually feeling." What are they? And when you ask the question, "Man," what belief must I be buying into? What story am I buying into right now about my abundance that is causing, causing me to feel scarce scarcity? And it might be, well, you don't have a million bucks in your bank account or you're not able to do this or that. But then you ask yourself, wait a second, do I have more than enough? Yes. Is there a next step right now that is so exciting for me? Or even if it's not that exciting, but is there something I want to do that I have the ability to do that would feel good? yes. So I have all my basic needs. So I have water, food, shelter, sun, sleep. Yes. Do I have actually more than what I need, especially if I'm listening to this podcast? Do I have more than just the tiny bit of food that I need in the sun in the house? Yeah. Wait, wait. So you're telling me you have more than you need to actually do what you want to do? Yeah. So then how are you in scarcity? you If there's an available choice right now that excites you and lights you up, even if it's just going for a walk, doing some art, whatever it may be, that's all you need to do. Like that will lead to so much more of it. The universe, everything is energy. It's all holographic. So when you, when you align with that energy, other things in your life start changing to reflect that energy and you start being led.
0: You do. And, and and you're a magnet to Literally, manifestation happens quite quickly. I want to talk about something you mentioned there as well. I'm going to say something that's going to – I know it's going to piss a few people off out there, but that's okay. It's fine. Um, I've grown up around mental health. I've grown up around – I've walked in on someone trying about to hang themselves. So, you know, I, I'm talking from experience here just for people to understand. I've, I've seen that. And when it comes to mental health, I do believe that there is, for some people, a a chemical thing going on. But I hear so many people over my life label themselves, I'm anxious or I'm depressed. I'm anxious, I'm depressed. And they accept that for that. And my opinion, and this is what's going to piss most people off, is that you're actually making that as a choice. And depressions, you're focusing on the past. And anxiety, you're focusing on the future. There's fears sort of both sides. How does someone get out of that? You've labeled yourself, basically, or someone's labeled you and you've accepted it, basically. I am anxious. I am depressed. So how do we move out from that? Because it seems to be one or the other for people.
1: You, if you're, you realize if you're choosing to identify with someone that's being depressed, you're actually getting something out of that. You have to realize what that is. Okay. Most people that say, I'm depressed and they're choosing to stay there. Anytime someone says that I'm depressed, there's a difference between I'm depressed, meaning like that's who I am, that's a character trait, and I feel like I can't change that. That's a victim mentality. That means I don't have choice. I can't choose to change. The other, the opposite is I've experienced or I'm currently experiencing the emotion of depression or the idea of depression. Right? One of them is based on your identity. One of them is an experience. The experience we all have, we've all had, will for we could for a long time if we need to experience that that's relevant for our journey now saying that you are depressed as a person you're most likely choosing that because you're getting something out of that you don't think you can get without it right so a lot of times if i'm choosing to be depressed and i need that as part of my identity and i've accepted that then i might be getting connection from relationships through depression. I might be getting uh, validation from people who feel sympathy for me. I, it might be, and it could be something more positive too. It could be, I might be pushed towards uh, more holistic health and more holistic uh, healing information because I really want to cure this depression and it's pushing you that way. It's always if any negative idea that we continue to choose. We are only choosing it because somehow, for some reason, we think the opposite is actually more scary. So it's this paradox of, well, if I'm depressed, that means if I was just okay, that might actually be scary. That might actually mean I lose something. I lose people. I lose friends. I lose something. I might then have to actually go do what I want to do. I might have to start a business. I might have to follow my passion. I might have to put myself out there. So actually this depression I can use to stay safe, to, to stay over here, to use as a reason to not face my fear. Or face something. So you have to ask yourself, okay, if I'm experiencing depression, first of all, no one is fundamentally... There's a study done, that was something like 95% of conditions are environmentally induced. And what that implied was your perception of the, of the environment, not just the environment itself. 5% are genetic. Depression was not one of those. These are like very rare diseases. All... Depression is a chemical imbalance, but chemical imbalance starts from the perception of your environment, and this is proven in epigenetics. This is proven through the uh, work of Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza. Check them out; very, very good stuff in this field. But essentially, what it says is you have complete control over your gene regulation, meaning you can turn on genes and turn off genes based on your beliefs, based on how you're viewing the environment because that that controls your stress response and it's your stress response which is telling what your genes what to do which is signaling your immune system which is signaling all the chemicals in your brain all of it right so some story about yourself some belief that you're holding on to is actually because of the depression
0: some story about your, your anxiety life. as well let's not leave the people out there feeling anxious
1: Thanks so again, it all comes back down to the same thing. Depression usually happens from one event that then you have an emotional response to. You don't know how to deal with that emotion and you definitely don't want to feel it. So you kind of suppress it. When we suppress a feeling over time, it becomes depressed. That's depression. So we keep suppressing and avoiding and what happens, Fear's a messenger. So it keeps knocking louder and louder and louder simply to say, hey, feel me and learn that this story, this event that was so bad, isn't so bad. You can feel it. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean you're not safe, worthy, valuable, unloved, or anything. There's actually no meaning to this event, to this experience. You've supplied the meaning just to teach yourself about depression so you can slingshot so fast into the other direction, so then you can be a light for people that also suffer from depression in their own way, right? This is the great service that everyone that has experienced depression or anxiety, and they have come out from it, they now have a superpower to where they can experientially relate to people that are depressed or anxious chronically, and they can say, look, if I can do it, you can do it, and this is one of the greatest services that we can all give each other. So it's about taking responsibility. If I'm depressed, why am I depressed? What story, what belief am I buying into in this moment that is making me feel worthless, unloved, not good enough, whatever it is for me to be depressing myself, which is literally just you not being you, it's buying into all this stuff. Bring light to that. Let yourself feel it. It's not wrong, bad, or weak. You're perfect where you are. It's your process. From that, you can then use depression differently. And say, you know what? I'm actually not depressed. I've experienced depression. And that's a huge difference. That's a huge step. Just starting to disassociate from that being who you are versus what you've experienced is a big step. And then diving into, well, what is the actual experience telling me? What is it actually showing me? How is this depression actually giving me something that I want? How is it actually serving me? Find the answers to these questions. And then you won't need the depression. To be giving you all of that information, to be giving you all of how it's serving you, to be giving you the validation, connection, the safety, uh, whatever it's giving you, you won't need it anymore once you extracted yourself.
0: Yep. And once you, when you feel it, then you need to also release it as well, is the second important step. So I think what Brandon and I really want anyone out there listening today, if you're right now or this week or this month feeling depressed or if you're feeling anxious and and you feel I am depressed, I I am anxious and that's who you are, maybe start realizing this is going to be your superpower and start reframing this and feeling it and letting it go and realizing that's your superpower and that's going to help. You're going to be able to help people in the world as well and, and start turning it around, you're gonna feel better about yourself and then everyone around you are as well and you're gonna be able to inspire and uplift others which is which feels amazing to do actually.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And thing is is when you're there or as you're as you're you could say like accelerating out of that depression, you don't even have to do anything per se. You just existing and being in a happy place will simply teach people. It's like your vibration, your state of being teaches people what they can match. Like you see someone happy and skipping down the street, and you're in a crappy state, often you probably get the thought of like, huh, man, I could be happy. You know how that person is? I could do that. And that person taught you more than words ever could. So no matter what you do, you're always constantly teaching. Even if you're teaching depression, that is still a way of serving other people, because someone can see that and say, you know what? That's not what I want to experience. And it can remind them of what they do want to experience. And they can also use that as a permission slip to give compassion to maybe you're giving them an idea to support other people with depression because they saw you in suffering and they want to help with that. It, it, it's always offering um, uh, service. So don't judge yourself for being where you're at. Most of the time we go, I'm depressed and that's bad. Now we're saying de- we're saying we're depressed, which feels crappy. And then we're saying it's bad. Now we feel double crappy. Now it definitely can't change. You have to accept it where it's at. You have to say, I'm experiencing depression right now. And that's okay. And I love that. That's here. Because the only truth about you is you are here. Anything beyond that is a made up story. You're here right now. Are you this body? No. There's been people that have gotten their arms and legs chopped off and they feel they they report that they don't feel any less of who they are so how does that how is our body us if we lost the body what that says is we would still feel like a full entire self we know we're not this body we know we're not physical we know we're not our names our jobs our feelings our thoughts the only actually truth about us really is that we're here and we know we exist everything else is a story So neutralize, literally bring neutrality to all of the stories that you told yourself and remind yourself that where you are doesn't mean anything bad or wrong. It just means that you're here and the depression is here too to be experienced. And that's okay. This is the first step. Even listening to this now, you're probably feeling if that's in your body, it kind of relax and move because you're finally validating it. You're finally saying you're allowed to be here, which in a sense is saying I'm not scared of you.
0: Yeah, and same with anxiety as well. When we're saying depression as we're talking, it's depression or anxiety depending on how you're feeling. So you and I both know, and I know a lot of people do know this as well, that your intuition guides you constantly. But when I speak to a lot of people, they find it really confusing to work out the difference between guidance from your soul versus ego. Like, And I think that the representations in cartoons and things growing up of an angel and a devil – is pretty cool because I, I feel like they just visualize ego and, and essence and soul and you've got these two voices. So how can people know the difference between whether it's fear and ego talking to them, which we shouldn't listen to, unless you, like, literally need to save yourself, you know, leave <laughs> a situation, or whether it's, like, your soul and your essence talking to you. How how can we, you know, work out who's talking to us?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be feeling It's just feeling-based. This is all heart-based. We actually receive information via our heart, and then that light comes up through our mind, and our mind is the filter. Our filter is our belief system. It's all these things. So when you receive something and you receive it as a thought, then it's just about feeling the thought. You can even say, where do I feel this thought in my body? What does it feel like? And if it feels exciting and expansive, then you know it's your intuition. If it feels scary or threatening or anything like that, you know it's coming from fear. Okay. And so even in situations when you're walking down the street and there's a dark alleyway, don't go in that alleyway, right? That it, it's about learning discernment. It's about learning. Okay. What? Where is that coming from? What does that feel like? Is it fear in my body, or is it just? Is there no fear? Did I just receive that message? Not with any fear. Am I just alert? Or am I like, oh, my God, it's like the monster under the bed, and I'm totally freaked out. Your intuition is never going to scare you. You know, you might feel alert. You might feel hyper-aware for a moment, but it's just about tuning into the feeling of the actual message that you're getting.
0: Yeah, for me as well. It's also the language um, of that internal dialogue. So for me, I find that when my soul and my essence is talking to me, it's it's usually positive language. And you're very right as well. Even if it's protecting you from a situation that could lead to harm, there's still this love love in it. In fact, I've, there's also a lot of humor when I hear things as well. And then when the fear and ego comes up within myself, it's very negative language it's very judgmental it's it's just all the negativity that you know you're shit you're not worthy you're this how could you possibly do that like all that negativity that's ego um definitely and that's how i've learned to decipher is literally what words are being chosen are they positive and and empowering or are they negative and that tells me who's talking to me right now and then i decide not to listen to my ego because it can go jump <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's it's like learning a new language, honestly. It's like we've never been taught the language of emotions to actually check in. And like, what am I actually feeling? We label a lot of different feelings the same thing. We're like, oh, I must be anxious. I must be angry. But really, maybe you're feeling like grief or something. So it is about learning and always checking in. Like, man, what am I actually feeling? Okay, I remember that time that I felt excitement. This doesn't really feel like that. What is this? And it can be like this fun way of learning, almost like the language of the universe.
0: Yeah. So, I've got an example here, um, a conversation I had with a friend recently is, you know, she's started feeling nervous that maybe her, you know, a fear, maybe her boyfriend might cheat on her and so all of a sudden she's feeling jealous. Jealousy comes up and I'm like, okay, this is great. No, it probably doesn't sound up, but this is great because this, is, this tells us that there's a wound happening much deeper. So where's that jealousy coming from? I was like, dig deeper. She's like, I'm like, I know the obvious answer is, oh, well, he might cheat, but that's surface level. It goes deeper. And as we dug down, I'm like, it's actually the fear point is feeling I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy of love. So that's where it's coming from. But why do you have that belief? Let's dig deeper, basically. And even another friend, um, I spoke to her and she was feeling these things about going to um, her tennis class. And her ex used to go there and she thought it was about him. But as I talked to her, I'm like, I don't think this is actually about him. I was like, he's just triggering it right now because he's not there. I was like, this is deeper. Let's think about this. And as we talk through things, she was like, well, actually, my parents didn't come to tennis that much when I was growing up, which made me feel unloved. So that was actually what was being triggered. So now we had an awareness and I'm like, all right, now you as an adult need to talk to the wounded, little girl in yourself to realize that's not true. That might have been your perception as a child going to tennis, but maybe your parents couldn't go to the tennis game because they were working an extra shift to send you to tennis because they loved you that much. And that's There, the, that's how you just dig deeper, dig deeper. There's obvious things, but just keep digging deeper. And once you get to the wound, talk to your inner child, talk to your inner boy or your inner girl And let them know it's okay, basically.
1: It's never the outside that you're actually frustrated with. Those are always mirroring back to you, your own belief about yourself. So all suffering, I can't suffer if I'm judging something as bad, but I'm not making it mean anything about me. Right? If I see something, I mean, I can't really, I can't even think of an example. It will always root down. If I'm judging something in a negative way at all, it's only hurting me because I'm making it mean something about me which is simply showing where I'm holding on to a belief about myself. So I don't A reason boast. Those that hurt you are also here to heal you because they're actually not the ones hurting you. They're the ones triggering something that has been hurting you, whether conscious or unconscious, to then be brought to the light to be healed and integrated.
0: Yes. How does your will and your higher will and self merge together? Yeah.
1: So the energy of excitement, when you're in that flow, you're automatically merged together. Okay. Excitement is spontaneous. I might be so excited after this to go. And, and when I say excitement, I don't just mean like, I'm jumping around all the time because you can look really calm. I could be excited to take a nap. I could, it could be whatever I want. But there's a certain energy of excitement that essentially is like the guide. It's the compass. So I might say after this, man, it feels so good for me. Let me check in right now. And I do this. I don't even know. Uh, 30 to 50 times a day. And sometimes I don't even have a process that just, it pops up automatically. But if there's nothing apparent right in front of me that's exciting, I might check in, hmm, what do I want to do? What's the most exciting option that's available to me right now? And I might go for a walk. And I'm walking and I'm walking and great. And then all of a sudden, because I'm feeling good and because I'm excited on that walk, I'm in a vibrational place where I'm attracting more thoughts that are exciting. So I might get a random thought about something completely different. This is what happens to a lot of people when they're in the shower. I get this random thought that's completely different. That then says, "Okay, man, when you get back to the house, call your friend. You got to tell him about this idea." So then I call my friend. Right, I'm doing this. Next thing you know, we're meeting for coffee, and then I meet someone else. That, and it's this spontaneous thing. Who was guiding me? Whose will was that for us to meet in that moment and and do all this? your will. That was the most aligned way for me to express myself. So as soon as you're into that flow of excitement, you are merged with the higher will and you allow that to show you the path. And it's not like it's just going to say, Hey, go do this, go do that. It can be that way, but you'll actually feel a resonance in your heart. You'll feel an excitement towards something that is your higher will saying, Hey, your furthest alignment, which means you're aligning your will with what you think you should do what you think you need to do, you're aligning it with your higher will, which is actually going to show you the path of least resistance, going to show you the best possible outcome for you. So then as soon as you transition to that and you follow it, you're just automatically aligned to the higher will. And then that's where ideas come in. You're doing that and you, you develop so much trust. You realize how supportive you are and you go, oh my God, I want to end human suffering, which is my mission. I want to end human suffering. How do I do that? oh man, and you have all these other inspired thoughts. Where are those coming from? Same thing, higher will. So this is like when people say, God tells me to do this and that. We can experience that in tons of different ways. We can experience it as actual language in our mind, as feeling, as uh, signs, whatever we need to use to interpret it. It can be different for everyone. But the constant is that there's something that you're going to be pulled towards that feels good, that feels exciting. And from that, the rest will figure itself out, kind of unfold, and you'll start learning more about why you're here and the theme that you chose and your area of genius and that all of you have. It's just about taking the next step. And you can also ask these things. You can also say a meditation and ask, what am I supposed to do? What's the next step for me? And if you're ready to hear it, you'll always get the
0: answer. Definitely. So I tell myself this regularly and particularly like I still have tough days. I'm happy most of the time, but I still get triggered. I'm sure you're the same as well. You do this work and I'm sure you have days that you get triggered. And what I tell all my friends and what I tell myself all the time as well is the most important thing that you can do today and every day is keep your vibration high, which is what we're talking about. So sometimes you need to sleep. Sometimes it's walk or going out in nature sometimes it's making a call like it's 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 a different thing depending on the moment really it's not the same thing you've just got to listen to the voice and exactly the walking um examples perfect the fact go on the walk have this thought call that person meet this person da, 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 da. next thing you've got a client of this job that you just never imagined was going to happen and it actually started because you decided to go on that walk but you probably forget about that because it seems so small
1: exactly and imagine if you thought your will was the best way. How could you possibly imagine a walk was going to lead to a client? Like, could you imagine? Because that doesn't make logical sense
0: in our own That literally happened to me. I just want to put out that that Himalayas moment when I was vomiting water and met that woman through her, I met people and he has become a client. So that literally happened to me going to the Himalayas led to a client.
1: And you, there was no way you could have like a week before that been like, man, I think the best thing for me to do on this walk is going to be to get sick and then maybe I'll get a client from that. Yeah. Sense, but the flow, can it never makes logical sense. And that's why we're not meant to know. Our logic is not capable
0: of knowing. I think we would fuck it up if we know. I think we just fuck it up. Those people
1: are constantly fucking it up over and over and wondering why it's not working.
0: Yeah. It's
1: doing more than they have to. Yeah. You don't have to do that. You just have to take the next step that's available to you right now that's exciting and trust that. Trust that after you take that step, another one has to appear.
0: Yeah. So how can you experience love in all situations? And when, when I'm talking about love, I feel like a lot of people just think of like romantic love or maybe love for a family member. But like I have love for you, Brandon, as a human. So that doesn't mean that I'm in love with you and we're going to go have sex and it's going to be this. I don't mean anything like that, but I love you as a human. So I just want to make sure that everyone understands that. And I tell people very regularly that I love them and I, and I do genuinely love them, but it's a, it's an agape love. It's a, it's a love for humanity. So this is the love that I'm talking about. So how can you experience that love in all situations? bring that love to all situations and see everyone as a reflection of who you are and therefore treat people and things with the same respect that I hope you're treating yourself.
1: So you've just said it right there. If you know everyone has a reflection of who you are and you treat yourself with respect, what would keep you from not treating everyone like that? Right? Mm-hmm. So the only reason I would judge something as negative is if, if that thing was reflecting back something to me that I was judging within myself as negative. Okay. So I'm not bringing love to a situation. It's not because the thing, the person or whatever it may be, it's because whatever I'm making that thing mean is somehow something that I'm judging about myself. Some sort of negative
0: belief that I So if I turn around, and I'm just going to say you just for the point of this, but if I turn around and go, you're greedy, Brandon, that's my belief. You're greedy. I'm actually, like they say, when you're pointing a finger, you've got one pointing outwards and you've got like three or four pointing inwards as you do the motion. So am I really saying in that moment, I'm greedy?
1: You're either saying I'm greedy or I think greedy people are bad because of something. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Sort of judgment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now this is important in my opinion how does one have a great degree of compassion for others suffering and you, yeah. and you can love all people equally even the murderers the abusive the evil people that we label because you see through to their divine nature
1: yeah so this is really important if you understand that all people even Murderers, rapists, abusive people, serial killers—whatever may be. Police. If you, yeah. If you understand that everyone is doing the best they can with what they know to get out of what they're perceiving as pain towards what they're perceiving as pleasure, you know that in their reality, they actually believe they have no other choice. Mm. If they believe there was a better choice, by definition, that would. In a in a better way, in a more effective way, you get them out of the pain they think that is going to happen or that they're in, and towards what feels better for them, they would have to take it. It's almost like, well, if I know for a fact that I have to stab myself to save the world, and I have a really big, long, crazy serrated knife, and a really teensy one, I know 100% of the time I'm going to choose the one that's most painful. This is human nature this is how it works. So if I understand, oh wait a second, this this person that murders people thinks for some twisted reason, and this is what fear does. Fear distorts reality. It has you buy into all the, all of these lies so you don't find it out. So you don't because that's how fear stays. It, it, it's a lie, so it has to create all these almost like illusions to buy into. Like people are evil or you have to kill them or you're going to die or whatever's going on in their mind. We don't need to really know that. All we need to know is they're suffering so deeply that they actually believe that they have to kill someone else to feel, feel okay. So knowing that, knowing that they're not fundamentally evil, but they're simply not aware of how to get out of their own pain and this is how they're doing it, then we're not blaming them as a person. We're saying you've forgotten who you really are which is a person is infinitely aware, a person that is based in love, right? This is your divine self that does exist because what you do, what you think, and how you act isn't who you are. So who you are. You're the divine behind that. You're the energy behind that. You're the observer behind that. So knowing that that's, they are divine in form, but they've forgotten that, and they actually think that's what they need to do to end their own suffering, because remember, it's always going to be about them getting out of pain, then we know that if we judge them for that, what we're actually doing is we're validating that personality self. We're saying, you are so bad and evil, and we're actually creating evilness and badness as a real fundamental thing that is proving to them that they are actually evil. When in reality, the solution for them is to realize they aren't evil, they don't need to suffer, whatever it is that's going on for them in their own story, that they can heal from that. And the only thing that we can do to help them with that is be an example of what that looks like. So for me, them that person, I'm proving to them that they are bad, evil, and all these things that they're thinking about themselves that causes these behaviors to try to cope with that pain. The minute I change my behavior and I give them compassion, because I know that they're not doing it because they're fundamentally evil. I know that there's simply a lack of awareness that they don't know. They don't know how to be. They don't know what their choices. They don't know how to cope with the trauma in their body. Whatever is going on, then I can be a permission slip for how they can be as well. Imagine if you take the most evil person in, in the world. And you circle around them with 7 billion people, everyone on the planet, and everyone just sends their love to them and say, Hey, we love and accept you for who you are. You're forgiven. We love you and accept you for who you are. You're forgiven. And everyone gives them that all of that energy. Do you think in that moment, that person is just going to slaughter everyone? That's probably the only moment they're going to be like, okay, what I'm believing can't be true. This is so much evidence that I'm actually a good person maybe now I can believe it, right? So this is the only way by condemning, by controlling, by doing all these things, we're actually keeping that those people where they are, we're keeping that idea alive. The minute that we bring love and light, which sounds so cliche, love and light, but it's, it's real, the more love and light and acceptance and compassion we bring to those people, we're showing them that they can be love, light, and accepting and compassionate towards themselves. And when they do that, They're not suffering and no one is hurting other people and not suffering, right? Or the whole hurt people hurt people. That's real, right? People that dominate other people actually feel powerless. That's why they have to try to gain power over someone to then prove to themselves that they have some, some sense of power. But in reality, they're in so much pain because they feel absolutely worthless and powerless, and they think that's what they have to do simply to not suffer anymore. But condemning and, and saying, yeah, you're bad, you're wrong, and you're evil, and you're this and that, then they're feeling more powerless.
0: Yeah, those people are actually craving love. Yeah, exactly. And biases. Um, and we're not saying that these behaviors are acceptable. They're definitely not. <laughs> <It's> not when
1: <shown, laughs> This is a big misconception. This does not condone and cannot condone that behavior. It's impossible for this to create more of that, right? Because this isn't saying that's okay. It's saying, hey, you don't have to do that, right? And it's done and we're not going to judge you for it. So it's so safe for you to change now. The last thing someone would do when they finally feel loved and accepted is hurt the person that they feel loved and accepted by the last thing. So condoning being an enabler, this is not that this is actually focusing on the solution. Now, there are we can get into all these discussions around boundaries. And obviously, if you're in a difficult situation, and your life is being threatened, you don't want to just say, I love you, compassion, and then just take the beating, get out of the situation. Right. But as you leave, and as you run away from the situation, How are you labeling and using that situation after? How are you labeling using the experience after? Are you going to go start an awareness campaign around why these people need love and how your experience, you're going to use that to actually have compassion for people? Or are you going to use that to create awareness around the evil people in the world and why they shall go to hell?
0: So just imagine how
1: you're using it.
0: Exactly. Maybe we need to do another podcast episode about that because I think it's important. And, and those people that are bullying and in that stage and and treating you like that, I mean, you know, I work with that sometimes on a day-to-day basis as well. It can be very challenging being love to that. But when you understand this, you can understand how important being in that state is how you actually get a better outcome and, and change for good.
1: Yeah, understand.
0: Yeah. Well thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope that's helped you out, um, everyone today. And just to recap, because I know there's so many people out there that feel this, if you're feeling depressed or anxious or anything like that, you don't need to label yourself as that. Feel it, release it, but that's not you. You have just listened to our deepest secrets revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted to our next episode. Connect with us via Twitter, and if you have any questions, please email myquestion at ourdeepatsecretsrevealed.com. Help us get the word out there and email a friend or two today about this episode. You can go over to iTunes and share the episode directly to a friend via a tweet, Facebook Messenger share, or post it to your profile. Otherwise, you can copy the link and email it. Thank you so much for sharing. Until next time, keep shining.
1: Enjoyed this episode of our Keepest Secrets review? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's like leaving a tip and really appreciate it.
0: Thank you.